Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to I'd Sooner Forget This, where guests share with you a part of themselves from their past. For example, when I was 15, I wrote a political poem called Who Am I? Which goes like this. I can't ride a bicycle. I can't write a book. I can't be myself. And I can't cook. <laughs> I'm Daryl Smith. And joining me this week is Phil Wang. Hi, Daryl. I can cook at 15. Really? It's just very odd that uh, you know, I say I can't be myself, and then the next thing is, I can't, can't cook either. But you can rhyme. But <laughs> you could, at least. Uh, yeah. What uh, did you mean by I can't be myself? Like, you, you were incapable of it, or you felt like you weren't given freedom to, to be yourself? I have absolutely no idea. Okay. Um, I, all of my poems uh, that I wrote at that time, all are kind of like me being very bleak it's a bleak time 15 i think even even the the happiest person's default setting at 15 is is bleaker than than you think yeah and it's it's also thinking that no one else has ever had any of the thoughts that you're having yeah yeah (laughs) um so uh phil who's joining me um today is a stand-up comedian and sketch comedian in the group daphne sketch comedian Part of a sketch group. Do, do you call yourself a sketch comedian? I always worry with sketch. Um, how you describe it? Well, I mean, none. I'm a stand-up. They're actors. I wouldn't say we any of us define ourselves as sketch comedians because like, the second you write something else, you're suddenly you're not a sketch. You know, a sketch. Yeah. Like yeah. we we are in a sketch group, but sketch group sounds bad as well. That sounds. There's no cool way to describe what we do. Sketch trio. Makes it sound like a barbershop quartet who's lost someone. Troop. Troop makes it sound like a bunch of Shakespearean toffs, you know, prancing around a, a, a wood. Squad? Sketch squad. Sketch squad. That's not bad. That's got an alliteration to it as well. But yeah, so we're going to look at um, something from your past. So um, seven years ago? This is from 2010. S- y- yes, yeah, seven years ago. This The YouTube clip says february 2010 so yeah pretty much bang on seven years ago so you Goodness. um so this is empires have risen and fallen <laughs> since this clip came up this is the first heat um is the london heat of the 2010 total student comedian of the year award and how long had you been doing comedy before this happened uh, a year and a half, 
two years. My first ever gig was, I think, when I was 18. So, wow. I was about 20 here. So, I had maybe two years. Right. So, when was the last time that you watched this? The last time I watched this clip? Oh, uh, four years, five years. I can't remember the last time I watched this clip. I've, I've not had any reason or desire to watch this clip. Cool. All right. Let's, uh, let's give it a go. Good evening. My name is Phil Wang, and I'm the answer to the question, what would it look like if Gok Wan got a bit fat? <laughs> uh, good evening. My name is Phil Wang. I'm the answer to the question, what would it look like if Michael McIntyre uh, had a child with Gok Wan? <laughs> Good evening, my name's Phil Wang, and I'm the answer to the question, what would it look like if Gokwang, Gokwang, Gokwang? That's that age where everyone is trying to be studently. The other night I had my first um, non-student gig, and so it was terrifying. Um, and, you know, it's in a lonely, cavernous pub with angry, embittered old men, and real men, you know, drinking pints of scrap metal and <laughs> breathing fire out of their tear ducts. Um, but the, the name of the gig was The Lollathon. It's called The Lollathon. It's ridiculous. That was a real and, gig. Um, that's a bit of a trend now, isn't it? A trend to put the word lol into a word that makes it about humour, about comedy. Lol, of course, stands for laugh out loud and you use that, use lol if, um, if you're an idiot. <laughs> and so this was called The Lollathon. They put lol in marathon so it's about humour, comedy, but it went on too long. It was boring and tiring, and towards the end, I started shitting down my legs. I was trembling so much. But I, 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 thought, I, thought, I thought what I do is that I make up my own my own lol words. I jump on this lol bandwagon or a lol wagon, if you will. So, you like them? And so, uh, you lucky people. I thought what I do is that I make up my own my own lol words. I jump on this lol bandwagon or a lol wagon, if you will. And so, uh, you lucky people, I've brought you my list of lol words. And, uh, now, the first lol word here is lolinoscopy. Now, that, that's of course when you laugh so hard, you actually need fiber optics surgically inserted through your anus to, to check for any sort of internal bleeding uh, from all your violent laughter. Just, oh, and um, uh, the, next, the next lol word here is funeralol. Uh, <laughs> That, 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 that's, what, that's, that's, when, that's when you laugh so much you have to kill someone. And then, and then subsequently you have to attend a burial. And, but you're still laughing, you're still laughing then. Stop rolling, just laugh. Um, the next word here is lolquid. Now that's like, that's like awkward, but it's only awkward because you're laughing at the funeral of someone you just killed. And you're just incessant lolling. Just stop lolling, you're hurting people. And um, the last, the last lol word here is sausage lols. Um, which, it's a good um, out. Which is just what my dad calls sausage rolls. It's a good out, man. I look so different. I mean, that's not that's the least valuable observation on a podcast. But um, oh man, yeah, I don't. I've forgotten how how much I was copying Stuart Lee. I don't watch that and think immediately that you're trying to mimic him. Really? I feel the the, the repetition at the beginning is very Stuart Lee and, and the, even the way I, I stress things and I, 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 I'm really surprised watching that. I, I look completely different. I look so, I look quite muscular. I look all right, actually. <laughs> I always thought I was really fat and ugly in those days. I looked okay. I'm fat and ugly now, I guess. 
<laughs> you know, uh, jealous of your. Yourself. I am a part of me. I'm partially jealous of my old self. I'm not a very nostalgic person. I don't like being reminded of the past. I really don't like it. Oh, well, I apologise, but this is uh, <laughs> but for you. I'll take I'll take the hit for you, Daryl. Um, yeah, I mean, I was so full of spunk. You can see all the spunk in me. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm bubbling with spunk and excitement. I mean, it was, it was my first gig in London ever, um, and you know, I was I was just so excited to be in the big city, performing in the big city. And so, uh, were you not a student at that university? No, no, I was a student at Cambridge. And I got on the train to do that. I, because they put you in... They try and put you in a heat near your university. Yeah. But um, you might not. And the one nearest to me was London. Can you remember the night? I can remember the night. I remember my my sister was at UCL, so she came. It's the first time she ever saw me, which is quite nerve-wracking. But I remember looking out and seeing her laughing and being really relieved by that. The dressing room was really intimidating. It's the first time I'd sort of met like other comedians my age. Everyone was just like dick swinging in that dressing room, you know, talking yeah. about who they'd written for and what they were doing at the moment. And, and so I thought, I was like, oh boy, these people, I shouldn't have entered this competition. These people will sound like they've been doing it for years. Um, but it was just classic comedian anxiety and everyone just trying to. And the, the, just the other night, I met another, a gal who was in that heat and she remembers feeling the same way I did. Like we were these out of towners who'd. I had no ins with the comedy industry and shouldn't have been there. Um, I still feel the same today. Now I feel alright today. <laughs> Do you like that? Yeah, no, I hated it. I thought that was awful. No, it's great. I just don't see the Stuart Lee bit in oh, it, really? which I find like most interesting. With you, in that you were, were you a massive Stuart Lee fan at the time? Sh- not, uh, not massive, but I, I just started watching him, um, and I think when young comedically interested people start watching him because it's it's so different that first time you see it and it just does completely open up um your perception of what stand-up can be and how subversive it can be and how layered it can be and how um how it doesn't have to abide by the perceived rules i think you start taking those things on and you feel like that you, you, the only it's your only worth the only comedy worth doing is sort of a slightly dismissive, subversive version. I don't believe that anymore, but I think at the time, there, there's definitely, you know... I mean, all that, the Gokwan beginning. Which uh, is great. It, it, yeah, it's all right, but it's it, it, it's still got that sort of Lee-esque dismissal of the structure, you know, of going, um, I'm the answer to the question, what would it look like if Gokwan got fat? I'm the answer to the question, what would it look like if Michael McIntyre had a child with... Yeah, Gokwan. Like, like you're annoyed uh, by okay, like, yeah. like I'm so above comedy. I'm already annoyed yeah. with the conceit. I I start. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I that 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 to me it seemed really uh, Lee esque, and the rest is quite studenty. Like the list of the lol world words is. Um, I was going to ask you about the list. Did you like use the list as a way of potentially helping you if you forgot any of your material? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I never, I never needed it after the first two times I did it. But um, everyone had like a reading bit. I remember mm. back in the day in student comedy, everyone had like a bit where they pulled out a little sheet and they were read something. I think there was another Stuart Lee thing. He'd have the like, like an article or something. He'd pull out and read because people need to see that. The audience needs to see that to actually believe uh, something exists. 
And also makes if if I just stood there without a piece of paper and said these are lol words I thought up, it would look strange. It look rehearsed. It wouldn't look real. Where it was having a material page in front of you makes yes. the list gives a list form because of how you're introducing it you're not introducing it as this is a list of jokes yeah this is a proper list a serious list yes um if you find it funny okay up to you i guess but this is just a list that came up of, of, of lol related words so is there anything in this that you feel that you would do now still perform or that is it all not phil wang 2017 um, yeah, well, it doesn't seem like anything I do now. I, I'm actually really surprised by that. I forgot how different I was. I'm much sillier now. I'm, I think I enjoy it. And what, I think I'm a little more personable. I'm very closed up there. You know, I can't imagine that, that Phil Wang addressing a heckler or dealing with something weird in the room. It's such, it's such a contained performance. I watched Mellow Yellow. If I was comparing the two, you, in that show, are letting the audience know that you're enjoying yourself. In Mellow Yellow? Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, so that's, like, much more recent, whereas in that one, you're, as you say, the Stuart Lee element is that you're kind of, like, begrudgingly there. A little, yeah, which which I'm embarrassed by. I don't don't like stand-up that takes the audience for granted, and I don't like stand-up that has a contempt for an audience. I don't like it. Um, so I'm now a lot more open and I try to enjoy people being there and appreciate them. I still don't like looking at them. I look over my glasses when I do stand up because to blur people's eyes out so I don't have to, so I don't have eye contact with anyone. But people think I'm being arrogant because I'm looking down at them. Yes, it's the opposite. It's because I'm, I'm too bit too shy. I don't like looking in their eyes. So you're purposely making yourself like, yeah, just over the top, just over the top. I mean, that's a pretty decent technique for it, someone who isn't, like, completely confident. Yeah. My short-sightedness has been a real gift. <laughs> <laughs> um, that slightly reminds me of my... My granddad has um, almost gone completely deaf, and he doesn't wear his hearing aids because he hates hearing airplanes. Does he live under a flight path? No. He, oh. he lives in, like, rural Norfolk, but, like, he just... Like, if a plane's, like, flying... Just over, even one. yeah, like- yeah. <laughs> He's like, I can hear loads of things. He just like enjoys the silence of being deaf. Yeah. So, um, you ended up winning, um, the total. Ended um, up. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it ended up. <laughs> Am I using? It's ended up the wrong. Term. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's so similar to how a lot of people say, "How did you fall into comedy?" Um, and you th- you think, well, that wasn't it was intentional. <laughs> oh yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, ended up suggests that oh you were just like living your life and then yeah you just stumbled. Yeah, um, I so don't you mind. tactically um, won in yeah. two thousand ten. <laughs> like, were you intentionally like going into it wanting to be a stand up? Yeah, definitely. And it seemed like the most distinct path to being a professional comedian at the time because. Um, two years before that, Simon Bird was in the final, or came runner-up, or yeah, and and he was already he was in, in between us already. You know, there was this very palpable connection between this competition and sort of comedy stardom, um, and and so it was kind of all the talk among student comedians, like a total total. You gotta, I am um, in my second year. Um, I I, I went for it. I, I had a I had a set. That was going doing doing well in 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 Cambridge, and so I thought, well, let's see if this set'll get me through the whole competition. Also, I wanted, I kind of wanted a clip, you know, 
what is now a bit of a burden was then a real gift <laughs> you know of a, of a nicely filmed clip of yourself doing stand up on YouTube yeah because the, the interesting thing with the chortle videos is that but when you sign up to do it they tell you it's never going yeah it's never going away uh, even I, I know so many people who are desperate for their videos to be removed oh really yeah um, in- I think they should I think they should be at least I mean it's been seven years I think Five, you can have it for five years. I think that's already very generous, Trottle. Yeah. You have the video up there for, I mean, I don't mind that one, but they've got another clip of me up there that's, that in which I really die. Um, I found it very hard finding my energy level. I think I've finally found what my energy level is now. Really? You think which, it's taken that long? It's taken a long time. Like Even the Mellow Yellow show you've seen is, for some reason, it's so low energy. Um, sometimes, I've watched that show because I, well, I was watching it. Um, just check it with the editor a bunch of times and like once or twice I go yeah this is a good show and the other times I go god I'm bored by myself because I look so bored and look so slow and like uh, like I'm tired like I don't want to be there and I just throw lines away and I mess up timings and I mess up intonations I don't know I don't know what it was now I'm now I'm like this sort of weird ghost crooner you know who comes on and kind of goes, hey, and I've got, I'm kind of like a, a weird creep now, but, <laughs> but I'm a little more animated, which is strange. It's strange that I was less animated in my youth than I am now. Have you consciously decided to be more energetic or has it just happened? Um, I think I've become a happier person in general. I've become a more confident person in general. And I think that... Um, that lends itself to being a little more open with people and expressing yourself a little more boldly. But I've always been like that in private, like a bit more bubbly and weird and goofy, doing weird faces and voices and stuff. But I've always assumed that was beneath stand-up. But once I let that stuff bleed in, you know, once I started joking with audiences like the way I joke with my sisters at home, suddenly I, was, I felt like I was, I was tapping into something more unique and a little more distinctive. And I was enjoying myself, and the audience can tell you're enjoying yourself more, and then they enjoy themselves more. So I think trying to get that energy on stage is, is where I want to be. And I'm getting closer. But in these clips, I am nowhere near that, I don't think. Because I think, this is stand-up. I must do my stand-up bit. This is how you tell a joke. Tell the line. Do your face. Go home. Yeah. <laughs> this is queer robotic. That might just seem tired as well. Uh, is your writing changed? Because when, when mm. although that's... Um you know that was 2010 i and you say you did stand up for like about two years before then were you writing like before even then uh no i only ever wrote with the night to do stand up um my first ever gig was at school my school had like a drama bit and they had put on a comedy night and they put on the drama teachers said anyone want to try a bit of stand up um and I turned up this sort of weird, chubby, schlubby, um, dorky Eurasian boy at the school in Bath. And um, I said, hey, can I do the show? And then he said, yeah, sure, I'll give you a seat. And then, and then I said, no, I want to perform. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, you can do five minutes. Um, and then I basically went away. I watched a bunch of Russell Peters videos and replaced Indian with Chinese and that pretty much works. <laughs> I had like maybe two jokes that I actually written myself in in the five minutes, but it was mostly just stuff I'd taken from other comedians. Really, I didn't really understand how comedy worked. I thought it was kind of like because I was a musician. Well, I was a singer, you know. 
I used to sing a lot and and there's not that sense of ownership with songs. Mm. I thought comedy was a bit like that. Like you just picked a song by your favorite comedy artist and you could play it. And oh. if you played it right, then people would enjoy it. Um, but I later realized that um, it's also about you coming up with your own ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Many years ago, though, that that kind of was like that. Right, yeah. Before anything was like filmed, people would just hand, pass around jokes. Yeah, because no one would know. Yeah, things aren't being televised. And and stand-up wasn't really about your personal experience. That was quite a modern thing. I'm currently reading um, The Comedians. Have you read it by Cliff Nesteroff? No. It's basically, um, he's written this history of uh, comedy in America, American comedy. It's very interesting. And he talks basically sort of Lenny Bruce's generation started, at least in America, I don't know. I'm not sure what the times timings were in the UK. But um, Lenny Bruce's generation of comedians were among the first to make it about them. But personal stories. Yeah. And before that, jokes were just these abstract performances that anyone could do. And, and and especially when your main experience of performing is as a musician, which mine was at the time, uh, it's about how you perform the material. It's not so much about whether or not you wrote it. Um, and so when I did stand-up, when I did my first stand-up gig, I kind of had that mentality that it's a performance and just pick the material wherever you find it. And put it together and try and perform it well. That's the important thing. But then the next show I did at all at school again was it was bigger it was in the assembly hall. I was like, oh man, this is the big time now, the assembly <laughs> hall. And I wrote a completely original set that was just about the school and about the various teachers and types of students and the cliques and one performance, one off. And that's one of my favorite sets I've ever done. I really, it was just, it, it felt amazing that I could write something about something people knew. And get them to laugh about it. And it went well. It did go well, yeah. I, mean, I wasn't a very popular kid at that school. People didn't really know me. So so I felt like I was, I was really up against it. Or I wasn't going up there like, and everyone going, Way, fool, yeah. It wasn't like that at all. Yeah. They were like, oh God, is he giving this a go? This, this is going to be embarrassing. And, and it wasn't embarrassing, which was a real... Um, and that, that that's when I got really hooked to, to stand up. Especially the subverting people's expectations. Because when you look like a Chinese fella, people are not expecting the best. Because we're not considered very funny people. Or, you know, and so I, I, I remember when I started out, I'd get on stage and you could, I could feel people going, oh, God. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unless I was projecting onto them my own prejudices against myself, which I don't think I was. And then people, yeah, people kind of go, oh, boy. <laughs> You know, but and but that that was why I was addictive was subverting those expectations. That's bizarre. That's almost like that pretty horrible thing was actually a bonus for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You, you you do your best work when when you have to overcome something. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I've brought with me a list of one-liners that I've kept on my laptop. I basically had this idea that I could be a one-liner comedian, and I started a document while at university and started writing one-liners, and then the idea would be that in a couple of years' time, this document would be, I don't know, 200 pages long, <laughs> <laughs> just because I just come, keep coming up with great jokes. It currently stands at two pages. And the second page is by no means filled. Um, it's got about three lines into it. And um, when was the last time you looked at this? Was it the last time I looked at this list of onlineers? The again four or five years ago, a long time ago. Do you want to hear them? I've numbered them, which is the most important thing. It looks <laughs> oh, like I've numbered them. <laughs> so organized. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> oxymorons are old news. Does that make sense? <laughs> so oxymorons. It doesn't logically. It doesn't completely follow. Oxymorons are old news. What? 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 Logically, old news is an oxymoron. Yes. So I'm trying to go. Oxymorons are old news. <laughs> like oxymorons are over. Yes. Even though I've just said one, and hence the humor. Yeah. I um. Yeah. My reaction of you having to explain it to me was n- not the best. It's not the thing. dream. It's not. It's not the. It's not what you dream about when you write a joke. Um. I was trying to go for like a like a really short joke. You know, like oh man, I bet I can make comedy so pure. I need four words. <laughs> Doesn't work. It needs a lot of explaining. Okay. Next joke. I think is a little bit better. Number two. I am a misogynist. I just hate Japanese soups. That's good. Do you like that? Yeah. Misogynist. The other, so the other problem with this joke is you have to pronounce it a specific way. I am a misogynist. And by that point, people are, are onto you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I say, I hate Japanese soups. And they go, yeah, that's what I thought that was coming. But you thought that was right. That's definitely better than Oxymorons or Old News. You definitely better. You didn't have to explain it to me. So uh... Yes, that is one point up, at least, from Oxymorons or Old News. Okay, this next joke is the only one that I've actually performed recently. And I perform it at children's gigs now, if I do a children's gig. Cool. Um, do you actually think that's cool? Yeah, I do think <laughs> okay. that's cool. I have a friend with a large slab of concrete sticking out of his chest. What a ledge. That's great. That's all right? Yeah, bring it to adult gigs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> On your head be it. Don't, My career, that is. Don't do it tonight and then blame me. <laughs> okay. That abandoned shop in town needs an owner like nobody's business. Yes. Yeah, do you like that? Yes. Okay. That's great. Okay, okay, okay. 
Again, not a normal um, reply to a uh, like, yes, enjoying yes. a joke. <laughs> that that is how people who watch way too much comedy react to jokes. Though, if you if you know comedy, you don't laugh. You just go, yeah. Yes. You just you just see you're like you're like Neo in the Matrix. You just see that. Yes, those numbers are green and good. Yeah. What's interesting with all of these is that you're able to look at all of these now and then know how you can like make them for Phil Wang now. Right. Do you think? I don't know how I would make this work, just because the logic doesn't work. Yeah. I think fundamentally this joke doesn't work. But even in that, you can now look at it and be like, oh, this this doesn't work. Yeah. Whereas before you were like, this, you know, when you... This is funny. This is good. Yeah. This can be number seven in my <laughs> big one-liner <laughs> yeah. document. I'm not racist. One of my best friends is black. Well, not black. He's very, very, very dark blue. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that one actually. It's very weird. It's weird. I'm starting to get into my no fielding phase here. I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting that vibe. <laughs> but I think that's. I think because people always go, no, it's not black. It's very, 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 very dark blue. Like about clothes. Yes. Well, it's not black. It's very, very, very dark blue. <laughs> okay. Next one. The other night, I went to a geometry themed orgy. I was pie curious. Hey. I mean that 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 could work. That could go in a cracker. Yeah. Hey, that clam's used up all the lipstick and mascara. Pretty shellfish. <laughs> hey, I mean... Uh, uh, I won't suggest that you're stealing anyone's material, but that feels that feels like a classic, right? It feels like a classic. It feels like that should be... But that's always the jokes I'm most excited about, where I go, this is either the oldest joke in the world, or I'm a fucking genius <laughs> right now. <laughs> Never shop hungry. I was in Sainsbury's today, and I ate a baby. <laughs> 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 that, that's very that's very subversive yeah it is. It, it is it's maybe too subversive but it's so subversive that a comedy nerd like you would find that funny but i think anyone who didn't listen to a, a million hours of comedy every year would um would go why actually man, i think it would work never shop hungry guys i'm in me today and i hate the baby if i ever marry my girlfriend i will insist that she keep her name she just doesn't look like a phil Yes. I feel like that's been done. Has that been done? I've not heard it before. Oh, this, I love this joke. Actually, I've remembered this joke now, but people without a very specific education will not get it. Greg Kinnear is not only a great actor, but also much easier to solve than Greg Non-Kinnear. Yes. You get that? Yes, great. Okay. So that's um, for those of you who aren't, I mean, you're listening to podcasts, you, you'll, you'll know your, your maths. But a linear equation is much easier to solve than a non-linear equation. And so I'm saying Greg non-Kinnear is much harder to solve than Greg <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and this actually ended up being part of my set for a while. I'm not very good with women. Uh, my girlfriend, for example, doesn't even exist. <laughs> um, which is a favorite joke of those. You laughed hardest at Ata Baby. Ata Baby. I think Ata Baby. I wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> it's the only one that really surprised me. <laughs> I but I mean, some of these just make literal zero sense. Oxymorons are old news. Makes no sense. But then that's the first one that you wrote down. Because <laughs> I thought this was my number one joke. <laughs> I thought, open with this and you'll be fine. Okay, that was really revealing. Thanks for making me open that up. That's really interesting how some of those are like... Well, one of them you're still using. Um, Which one am I still I think, using? I'm sure you said that you were using one of them. I was. Oh, my girlfriend doesn't, doesn't exist. I've used that one for a while. Oh, no, no. The one I use for the kids' gigs. Yes. Um, the, what a ledge. Slab of concrete sticking out of his chest. What a ledge. 
People always like that. They might give it a little moan, but deep down they like it. It's kind of got that kind of classic kids joke structure, mm. you know, like the... Uh, it's got that kind of vibe. Question answer. Yes. How did that feel, reading those? Um, Really exciting, because I really could not remember what they were. Um, And it's just such a different version of me. Like a one-linery. I mean, I do have one-liners now, really, I guess. I don't really think of them that way, but I do have chunks of material that are just like gags and then another waffly bit um but i think i think one-liners actually are a lot more representative of someone's thinking like deeply how they think and how logic works in their brain i mean i'm not racist one of my best friends is black well not black he's very 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 dark blue i, I think that, that even though that's one of the worst jokes in there i think that says the most about my thought process that i think a person being very 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 dark blue is really funny I think for me, that's the funniest part of the whole list is my black friend being actually very, very, very dark blue. <laughs> I think my, my been in like an in, in Armando Iannucci phase he, where he's, he's the master of, of jokes that are not oh, random, yeah. but are, ma- are weird and surprising, but still make sense on some level. I feel like that's something he, I'm not saying I'm as good as Armando Iannucci here. Don't, don't put me on the record as saying that, but just, just taking something that is the norm in one element of life i.e. clothes mm. and just supplanting it onto something as important and touchy as race <laughs> they'll find that very funny yeah it's cool how um you've kind of feel like that's not you as such that's not your act now not at all no so just going back to uh the video that we originally watched the chortle video yes um so if you could go back to uh then um, what would you tell yourself before you walked onto that stage? I'd say, everything's going to be fine. You're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> but after you win, you get better. <laughs> I mean, I guess quite a loaded choice for me to have a clip of a competition I eventually won. Um, so I guess I did as well as I could have done. I would probably give myself... Um, advice about the other aspects of my life that weren't going as well like chill out around girls they're just people (laughs) (laughs) and stop worrying about everything no one cares about you so just don't worry about failing i was terrified of failing which is why i was so rigid in my script you know and which maybe one i think that's good for competition yeah. You have seven minutes, you want to just bam, 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 bam. You don't want any like, so guys, what are we thinking today? You know, you just want to bam, 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 get these laughs out. Know where they're coming. Know how big the laughs are going to be. And know that you're going to end on a big laugh. So it worked, that mentality worked for them. But I think I carried on with that mentality too long after I'd stopped doing competitions. And I thought every gig is a competition. I have to win every gig. I have to be the best actor on every gig. Oh, And that okay. kind of kept, that actually ended, caused me to um, really tighten up. And I'd actually do worse if something happened that wasn't part of the plan. Then I wouldn't be able to handle it because I go, "No, I've got to bring this back to the plan." Whereas it was, it always goes better if you drop the plan and go with what's happening in the room, you know. But that took me a long, long time to learn. Before you wouldn't say improvise or interact no, with the audience. When would you say it clicked and it changed? I don't think big shifts in how one, how you do your work, happens over a single event. It's it's always gradual, isn't it? I think I just started relaxing a little more. I think getting my first Edinburgh show done, 
which I did completely to the script rigidly. I would not shift. This was epitomized one show my first year. For some reason, Jimmy Carr came to watch when I'm 21. I think my, I don't know my manager got him to go. I don't know. But he turned up late in a small room. And so, I mean, fair point to Jimmy. I mean, he was probably running around, probably thought he could sneak into the back. But it was, he couldn't. It was a really small room. And he, so he snuck in. But everyone could see him because we were all sat down. And we were like, hey, who's the new guy? Oh, it's Jimmy Carr. And so Jimmy Carr <laughs> sits down. He's got a big face. And, and the room is small enough that everyone can see everyone's face. Yeah. So the breath of the show becomes everyone looking over to Jimmy Carr to see if he's finding this funny. Oh, no. And he is not finding this funny. He's oh. not laughing at all. I don't think he laughed once. I mean, he might, he might tell a different story. But instead of going, instead of doing the thing I obviously should have done, which is, guys... I know Jimmy Carr is here. Let's all stop looking at Jimmy Carr and listen to me, which probably would have got a big laugh and got everyone to relax. Because I think people are just thinking, does he know Jimmy Carr's here? Because he's just talking like, and he's not getting any laughs and just going on and on and on. Like he doesn't know Jimmy Carr's here when we can all see Jimmy Carr's here and Jimmy Carr's in laughing. And if I just address that, it might have been an amazing show, a really cool, fun show. Everyone could kind of feel it, that there's something not being addressed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that can completely kill a gig. Especially, what can really kill a gig is either they know you're aware of something you're not addressing, or you're not aware of something they're all aware of. Those two things can create a lot of tension. Yeah. And But I was so convinced that the material is good enough. If you stick to the material, it'll fix anything, anything that happens. And I just wouldn't, I wouldn't move away from it. Also, I was intimidated that Jimmy Carr was watching my show. As I mean, it's, a, it's a lot for a <laughs> young kid to take on, I guess. But I think I'd be better at that sort of thing now. Thank you so much um, for coming on the show, Phil. Um, I hope that's been okay. And you, I mean, you say that you don't like talking about the past too much, but you've done a good job. Do you think? Oh, that's good. Maybe I just need to get into the zone. I'm not very effusive about the past. So maybe I am. Actually, no, I'm now, getting this, now I'm now starting to think too much about the past. For me, I've just really enjoyed actually watching these things again and reading those. I wouldn't do it otherwise. I'd have no reason to otherwise. So... Yeah, yeah, that clip really surprised me. I've forgotten how different I was. So, Phil, if um, people wanted to um, find you... Um... This is a great chortle clip of me on YouTube. That's <laughs> all you need to watch. Um, I have full two full-hour shows on YouTube, Mellow Yellow and the first show, Antihero, for free on YouTube, so just jump onto those. Um, I have a website, philwang.co.uk. I have a mailing list that I rarely use... But I only rarely use it because no one really signed up to it. So if people sign up to it, then I might use it. But it's hard to get people to sign up for something you admit to not using. But all I'm saying is sign up, get on my mailing list and then I'll have a good reason to use it. And then I can send you nuts or something. Uh, my Twitter is at Phil N. Wang, N for November, Phil N. Wang. And my Facebook page is Phil Wang Comedian. Thank you for listening. This has been I'd Sooner Forget This. Make sure that you uh, subscribe to the podcast, download um, the other episodes if you haven't already. Give us a follow on Twitter at I'd Sooner Forget. See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>